The Galloway Podcast episode 19 is underway, and I'm glad you are joining us today for some exciting college football talk. We're just three days away. It's Wednesday, August 28th. Welcome in, everybody. William Galloway, your host here of the Galloway Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway as we are gearing up, and I can feel kickoff in the air. The Florida-Miami game already happened. We can talk about that briefly, but really we're just looking forward to these Alabama and Auburn games coming up in three days. Football season is just about in full swing, and I could not be more excited. And so let's kick off the show talking about Alabama. What in the world is happening in Tuscaloosa? Yes, there's been torrential downpours of rain, and my street has been flooded, but even more importantly, Dylan Moses is out indefinitely with the torn ACL. That news breaking this morning. Oh my goodness, I couldn't believe it. And I'm sure you couldn't believe it either. After what happened to Josh McMillan, now Dylan Moses. This is is Dylan Moses' second serious injury for the Crimson Tide. And... It's just it's hard to fathom that the Crimson Tide have have suffered all of these linebacker injuries and defensive injuries just in general when you look at the secondary in years past as well. But coming out this morning, uh, report that Dylan Moses is out indefinitely with a torn ACL, and that is just a significant blow to the Crimson Tide defense. Moses, who is going to be called upon to be the captain. Uh, of the defense this year. Nick Saban saying today, he told ESPN's Chris Lowe, certainly this is a character check for our team. We're going to do everything we can to support Dylan and the people that have the opportunity now to fill in for Dylan. Saban talking about how he will support guys like Shane Lee and Markel Benton at that inside linebacker position. A little, a couple of stats for you. In 15 games last season, Moses had 86 tackles, 10 for a loss, and three and a half sacks for that Alabama defense. Um, I, it's this is such a tough pill to swallow. The the McMillan pill was tough to swallow a couple weeks back, and now Dylan Moses. And you just think about what in the world are we going to do? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to see Shane Lee, and we're going to see Markel Benton, and we're going to see other young guys step up for this Crimson Tide defense. Obviously, Dylan Moses is like a Grand Canyon-sized hole to fill on this Alabama defense, but these guys are four and five stars that are in the reserves. They're four and five stars for a reason, and yes, they have to buy into this program, and they have to fill in, and they have to be called upon earlier than what they were expecting, but these guys want to play. These guys are hungry, and guys like Lee and Benton and and Kaho, among other guys, uh, are just they're ready to go, and this is their opportunity, and they're excited. And so Alabama fans kind of need to put the shame away of thinking, "Wow, I, what are we going to do now? The defense is screwed." It's it's not. Yes, the defense is is put in a significant position to where they're going to have to play a whole lot uh, different schemes, and and it's going to be a challenge for this Crimson Tide defense. Um, and but that that really is is Nick Nick Saban has has silenced haters. He's closed off the doubters. And in years past, when Alabama's had significant injuries, he's still won national championships. Obviously, as we're talking about, and as you know, this is a significant blow. But let's take a look into history at other linebackers who have missed previous seasons. In 2017, as I talked about, Moses had another injury. Sean Dion Hamilton um, was injured. Anthony Jennings, 
later in the season. Terrell Lewis, Christian Miller. You flat. You fast forward to 2018. Christian Lewis. Uh, excuse me. Terrell Lewis again, and Chris Allen. Uh, Injuries at the linebacker position, and now this year, Josh McMillan and Dylan Moses in 2019. And so what is Alabama going to do? They're going to say next man up. Yes, this is a significant blow, but we're going to see how the tide responds and what we're able to do on defense and the schemes that we're going to run. Trust the process. As an Alabama fan, that's all you can really do is, is... Trust Nick Saban and trust the process, but uh, Dylan Moses, it is, it is so unfortunate to hear about that injury for him. Uh, plenty of past players, Irv Smith, Mac Wilson, guys all over Twitter, former Alabama players, sending uh, thoughts and, and, and tweets and uh, just words of encouragement to the Alabama program, as well as Dylan Moses hoping for a quick recovery. So that's the breaking news out of Tuscaloosa with Dylan Moses. Also, a couple things that have been happening with this Crimson Tide team. Tied in, uh, also known as Trailer Park Jesus, Giles Amos is now on scholarship. And I believe with uh, Amos now on scholarship, there are seven scholarship there are seven graduates, um, seven scholarship graduates on this team for the Crimson Tide. Giles Amos, a senior who went to Westfield High School, hailing from Perry, Georgia, the 6'4", 245-pound tight end. So congratulations to Amos. He spoke to the media the other day and really just kind of captivated the media uh, and kind of what he had to say about his football journey. And so that was really cool to watch. Go through Twitter, look up Giles Amos' videos, and uh, you'll be encouraged by what he had to say to the media just a couple of days ago. Alabama football players, uh, Another update from Tuscaloosa, Javier Morton, a 2020 safety, decommitted today. So another blow for the future of the Crimson Tide. Uh, I believe he tweeted he'll keep his options open, but he said he was decommitting from the Crimson Tide at this time. He was one of the uh, longest standing recruits in that 2020 class. The safety uh, is now looking elsewhere. So we will see what happens with Javier Morton. But back to this year's team, there are reports of Alabama players being suspended for the first half of the game against Duke this Saturday. Uh, Players include Najee Harris and Brian Robinson, Terrell Lewis, and Devontae Smith. When asked about suspensions, Coach Saban said, what happens on our team internally is an internal family decision that I don't feel is necessary to share with anybody outside our organization. So while there are reports of those four guys missing the first half against Duke, Coach Saban was quick to decline any type of comment and saying that they are handling their situation internally. There were reports of those guys apparently missing a team movie night and we're going to see what happens on Saturday if those guys get playing time in the first half, if they sit out, what's going to happen there. But Coach Saban was quick to shut those rumors down and say whatever happens to them will be handled internally. Jerome Ford uh, will probably carry the load at running back if Harris and B-Rob cannot get the start. But again, this is all hypothetical now. We're going to have to see what happens on Saturday when the Crimson Tide trots out in Mercedes-Benz Stadium against the Duke Blue Devils. So that's coming up this Saturday in just three days. A couple days ago, uh, Florida defeated Miami 24-20. to A couple thoughts on that game. 
I really enjoyed watching it. I hope y'all did too, because it was nice that college football was back and that was kind of the feature game. And it was a good game. There were there were moments that were not the greatest, a little bit sloppy, turnovers here, but that Miami defense forces turnovers and they're really fun to watch. But uh, Felipe Franks, three for 254 passing yards, three touchdowns. There were four turnovers from that Florida uh that Florida Gator team forced a lot of them forced by that Miami Hurricane defense. So that was fun to watch. You know, that Miami team, they've got a lot of swag. They've got a lot of chains and they've got their, uh, their rings, I guess. I think they call them their touchdown rings. I'm not exactly sure uh, about those, but I can tell when you watch that Miami team, the way they play defense, the way they force turnovers, what they do on the sidelines, they've got a lot of swag, and uh, and I respect that. And so that or those are a couple thoughts on that game from this past weekend. On a little bit lighter note, as we've hit um, the Dylan Moses news, the Giles Amos news, the rumors of player suspension, obviously, um, Talking about those guys just a minute ago. On a lighter note, Alabama, and this has broken since the last podcast a couple weeks ago, but the stadium lighting, and this is this is old news to a lot of Alabama fans, but if you live under a rock and have not heard about Alabama's new LED stadium lighting, the Crimson Tide now has the capacity to turn the lights in Bryant-Denny Stadium red after touchdowns and in big moments and things like that. So... If you've seen Ole Miss and kind of the light show that they put on in Vaught-Hemingway, think about that. But in Bryant-Denny with crimson lights, that's going to be really exciting to watch this year. I just hope and pray that Alabama can get a night game and we can see those lights kind of full force in action. Maybe a little Dixieland light synced up with the red lights at night. You never know. It should be really cool. But if Alabama can get a night game, That'd be really neat to see those lights kind of in full force with the student section and 101,821 fans rocking inside Bryant-Denny. Also, a couple weeks ago, Trayvon Diggs met with the media as part of the media day, and uh, he said he will shave his head if Alabama wins the national championship this year, Trayvon Diggs. If you've seen him with his helmet off, he's got some great hair, But uh, if you remember a couple years ago, Jalen Hurts promised to do the same thing and shave his head. So that Alabama football shave your head promise could come true if the Crimson Tide wins the national championship. Trayvon Diggs promising to shave his head. So that's a couple more light notes on Alabama football, a couple heavy topics there. But we're about to get into our feature interview of this podcast with Auburn student Sumner Martin, and he covers the Auburn Tigers uh, variety of sports. He was at the Final Four last year. But we're going to get into that next on the Galloway podcast. If you have any questions, Please tweet me at WM underscore Galloway. Be sure to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and Spotify. And stay tuned for the end of this podcast episode. We're going to have a quick, exciting announcement about some merchandise that will be sold, some Galloway podcast merchandise. But first, let's get to the interview with Sumner Martin. Enjoy talking with him, previewing this Auburn Tigers team, some of their personnel, and also the game this weekend against the Oregon Ducks. Joining the Galloway Podcast now is a senior at Auburn University, Sumner Martin. He is the assistant sports editor of the Auburn Plainsman, uh, a radio host on 91.1, the Auburn student radio station, as well as ESPN 106.7 FM down there in the Auburn Opelika area. Sumner, how you doing today, man? 
Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are three days away from Alabama and Auburn football, and uh, you are the man to go to for Auburn football when it comes to uh, really, you know, Auburn athletics in general. But as a student, you are in the loop, and uh, excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been a um, I've been a part of the Plainsman for about three and a half years now, and uh, you know, being a part of the Plainsman student newspaper run, obviously, you get a little bit more access. Uh, sometimes to these students that other B reporters don't get. Um, so, yeah, I like that aspect of the job and um, I'm ready to give some insight into these, uh, this Oregon game and the Auburn season coming ahead. Yeah, well, it's we've been waiting all off season. You know, the countdown, it felt like you blink and it went from 100 to 50, and now we're only right. three days away. I mean, we're, we've just been chipping away all summer, but we're finally here this weekend. Uh, Auburn's got a big game. Alabama's got not as big of a game, but certainly the circumstances surrounding the program now with injury are creating uh, more and more uh, discussion really about that Alabama Duke game, but let's let's go to Auburn. Talk about the trip they're taking to Dallas to take on um, a really good Oregon team. Um, and first of all, we're going to start at the quarterback position. What was your initial reaction to Bo Nix winning the quarterback job over Joey Gatewood? Yeah, so I think if you're looking at this as a holistic view, you think most people were going to assume that it was going to be a pretty competitive race coming out of um, out of fall camp and. You know, I think it started out leaning towards Gatewood just because of experience, redshirt, whatever you want to say about it. Um, but I think a lot of Auburn fans and inside insiders knew that, you know, Nick's had more of an arm, more of an athletic ability, could see the field more, can throw um, a little bit better. I was at practice, and Gatewood has, you know, aspects to his game that definitely fit into a Malzahn-type offense. Um, he can run the Wildcat. He can use a power run scheme more like a Cam Newton. Um Nick Marshall-esque, but it eventually it came down to who made the most throws, and I think Nick's, um, you know, set himself apart in practice time and time again. He could move the ball down the field, uh, just at a much more consistent pace than Gatewood could, and uh, I think Gus went with his gut, and I know it, it scares a lot of people that he's a true freshman. This is the first one, uh, first true freshman starting quarterback in opening game since 46, which you know, that gives some people, you know, it gives a little bit of hesitancy. Uh, but it just came down to who's the better quarterback. And I think Nick showed that he is, and he's ready to step up for the challenge. And one thing a lot of people have been talking about when it comes to Bo Nix is he was kind of bred to be an Auburn quarterback. It's literally right. in his blood. Last year at Pinson Valley, he had uh, over 3,800 yards and 50 touchdowns in his senior year when they won the 6A state championship. And so he's put up great numbers in high school, but he's up obviously against a tall task in this Oregon Ducks team. It's going to be um, could be a rude awakening. We're not really exactly sure how he's going to do. Obviously, he's poisoned. As I was saying, he's trained. But uh, going into this game what do you think his mindset is in terms of how he has had this preparation and literally his his life has led up to this moment how do you think he's going to handle it when the lights come on in Dallas yeah so I think Bo Nix obviously the legacy the tradition he's going to have there's a lot of hype um you know you've got a defense coming back you've got an offensive line that's going back a lot of experience um there's a lot on his shoulders and I don't think anybody else would be more prepared this is definitely the most prepared a freshman quarterback um, that Gus Malzahn has had in his time here coming in and being ready to handle these kind of expectations. Um, but And we spoke on it again. We've got offensive linemen. You've got five redshirt seniors. Um, a lot of it is going to be on them, too, to give a young guy like Nick some confidence because you, we spoke about Jalen Hurts uh, in 2016. Getting off to a good start is very, very key, obviously, more so for a freshman quarterback 
in a neutral site stadium um, where it's going to be sold out. Like you need a little bit of help um, to be able to get where you want to be. So I think coming in and getting off to a fast start, getting some quick checkdowns. So I think Gus Malzahn needs to get them some easy throws to begin with, um, get them in a rhythm. And then after that, I think it's I think Knicks has the ability um, and poise, arm strength, whatever you want to call it, to to be able to produce at a high level. Um, I think it's just gonna it's gonna take some help, and he's gonna need some some boosting from other players to get him there. And he's got a lot of guys around him. Um, when you look at the wide receiver core, obviously Seth Williams stands out uh, yep. among many other guys. Eli Stove, Will Hastings for the Tigers, but like you said, the offensive line—a senior-laden offensive line that has struggled at times, but I feel like can really gel and their chemistry can kind of come together uh, this year. So we'll see how he does behind that offensive line that has plenty of experience but also in the backfield for the Tigers this year uh Booby Whitlow at running back but Gus Malzahn's not giving anything away Sumner there were six starting running backs listed in the depth chart uh just a couple days ago what was your reaction to Gus Malzahn giving not really not giving anything away to Cristobal in Oregon right yeah no I, th- I think there's there's two kind of two answers to this question you've got one on one hand you've got a little bit of strategic uh, planning a little bit of gamesmanship by Malzahn, not wanting Oregon to have one one running back or one or two running backs to focus on. Um, and then the other side you've got, it's more of a mindset. Um, Gus Malzahn wants these running backs to know every spot is available, every spot's open. Even if you're Booby Whitlow and considered the heavy starter, even though you're going to start out on the field and get the snaps, any spot can be lost. Um, everything's up for grabs. And a part of that is what kind of Gus Malzahn has done in his time. You know, he, he goes with a running back by committee um, approach sometimes, and I think that's worked out. It's using different backs in different, you know, packages. And you've got Booby, you know, being the bell cow. You can have Shivers um, using those sweep formations, Harold Joyner, um, you know, being in the Wildcat, DJ Williams, a freshman who's going to be in the mix potentially. So he's just got a lot of options, and I think he wants people to know that, look, at least inside house, Nothing is figured out yet. We can go any way of the season with relation to who's going to be in the de- top of the depth chart or the bottom of the depth chart. So I think all three of those, uh, you know, the gamesmanship, the game planning, um, and the not wanting anybody to get complacent, I think all three of those play into, you know, why we saw six listed on the depth chart. And when the Tigers roll into Jerry World, can we expect Booby Whitlow to get that first carry on Saturday? I would be very surprised if Booby Whitlow is not on the field for the first running play. Okay, so that's fair. That's fair. So there we go. The Auburn look at the running backs and the quarterback situation. And let's let's jump to the game. Let's go ahead and say it's Saturday. Uh, Sumner, what are your expectations for Auburn in terms of how this game is going to play out? What does Auburn need to do from top to bottom? Um, and what challenges does Oregon present for this Auburn team? Yeah, so obviously when you're speaking about Oregon, the first thing that comes to mind is Justin Herbert. Um, you know, a lottery pick, first-round guy for the NFL that could have gone last year um, returning. So that that's the first thing that I look at. Uh, the second thing I look at is their offensive line matching up with Auburn's defensive line that has a chance to be one of the best in the country. That Those are going to be two key matchups. Um, this game, oddly enough, I see it playing out very similarly to the uh, Washington game last year. I think when you look at season openers and these big, you know, a lot of hype, um, two top 25 teams coming into a neutral neutral site stadium. Uh, the offenses normally are a little bit behind the defenses. You've got defenses that have, for the most part, um, especially in Auburn's case, very experienced, know the formations, know the packages, um, very familiar with Kevin Steele. 
most of their the way they play is going to be based on effort. There will be a few schemes and um, you know changes that Steele throws in there, uh, but for the most part, they're going to be focused on giving the best effort they can because they already have everything else etched in their brain. I think they know what's going on. You've got Daniel Thomas and Denson starting at safeties. Obviously, you have the defensive line with Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, um, Nick Coe, wherever Gus Malzahn wants to play him. He's going to be playing all over the place. Um, all of them know where they need to be. It's, it's going to be a matter of how much do they want it. On the offensive side of the ball, as we saw in the Washington-Auburn game last year, it's a little bit slower. Um, you've got to figure out timing, especially with the new freshman quarterback. Um, timing, routes, um, the wide receivers have shown inconsistency in, in fall camp, so that's a major question for Auburn this year. Um, I see it being a low-scoring game, and I think it's going to take until the third or fourth quarter for the offenses to really get rolling. Um, but overall, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I don't, I don't see either team scoring over 28, 30 points. I think it's going to be a 24-17, 20-13 kind of game. Uh, really kind of a ground-and-pound. Um, you know, obviously there will be some – Game in the air as well, with Bo Nix being such an elite passer, but it is going to be a gritty game, uh, and it's we're going to tell a lot about the character of this Auburn team as well as this Oregon team. I mean, you look at yep. Oregon, and yeah, they've got a couple top 25 games on the schedule at the beginning of the season, but we know when the playoff rolls around, you can't look at who you played at the beginning of the season and what their ranking was. you got to look at their teams and uh, their schedule and, right. and who they went against, but uh I mean, you look at what Oregon is up against in the future, and it's not, you know, Nevada, Montana. Yeah, Stanford's a good program, but um, week in, week out, obviously they don't play the schedule that Alabama and Auburn do. But Auburn uh, obviously has this game circled on their schedule. It's a big one, and uh, they, they've got Tulane the following week, and so it's not like they're – and you wouldn't look ahead anyways, but uh, Auburn can really laser focus in on this game, kind of figure out what they need to correct depending on the result of this weekend and then go on versus Tulane. But in these first couple, two or three games, uh, what what is your outlook on, on um, how Auburn fares against Oregon? Uh, can we get a score prediction from you, Sumner, and then Tulane, Kent State, uh, and then that big, tech, big test at Texas A&M? Yeah, no, I think – for the Oregon game, as I said, I think it's going to be low scoring at first, and I, I think it's going to open up towards the end. I think if Auburn's defense can get a turnover or two, I know Kevin Steele and Gus Malzahn key in on that. Um, if they can get a big turnover, I think Auburn will end up winning the Oregon game something around 24 17, 31 17. Um, I'll go 31 17. Um, two line in Kent State after that, um, you know, at home, I. There won't be any worrying there. I think it will be a lot of mixing Knicks um, and Gatewood, getting everybody touches in the running game. That those would be those will be pretty clean. But unfortunately, after that, with for Auburn fans, this this schedule is arguably the toughest in the country. Um, you've got six teams that are in the top twenty-five, um, with four of those teams coming in the top ten currently right now. Um, with Florida, LSU, Georgia, Bama, and then Texas A&M, as you said, is no joke on the road in College Station. They're ranked number twelve. Uh, that's how Auburn's going to have to take this season is just one game at a time, unfortunately. If you look forward even a little bit, um, then you can falter and the season can be over just like that. Uh, so that's going to be a lot to handle for a freshman quarterback. Um, you know, Gus Malzahn and, you know, Kenny Dillingham and Cody Burns, that whole offensive staff is going to have to, you know, kind of just, I don't know how to protect him, but you're going to have to throw him into the fire eventually because there's, there's no way that, you can get through the get through this season without being battle tested, which hopefully will will be the first game in Oregon. There will surely be plenty of tests. Um, 
but it's it's going to be a learning curve for him, and it's it's going to be hard to see. This is for most fans, they won't like hearing this, but if Gus Malzahn gets nine wins, that's a very successful season um, with this schedule right now. And you talked about being thrown into the fire. Obviously, that'll happen Saturday in Dallas, and then you kind of get those two games to lick your wounds against Tulane and Kent State. You know, however this game goes, regardless, um, Nick's is, is going to get banged up. It's going to be tough. And then he, you know, you talked about that chemistry with Nick's and Whitlow, and how they can, how the team can kind of progress moving forward in these next couple weeks to prepare for the SEC season. Sumner, tell everybody a little bit more about your radio shows and your work with the Plainsmen and how they can follow you on Twitter. Yeah, so it's Sumner Martin, um, assistant sport, sports editor excuse me, at the Plainsman. Um, on Twitter, you can follow me at, at smartin underscore AU. Um, Weagle 91.1 is a uh, student-run radio station. We'll be on there Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, and then ESPN 106.7, Standing Room Only podcast, will go up twice a week, not a specific time. Um, but that will be on ESPNAU.com. Awesome. Sumner, thank you so much. I look forward to talking uh, in the weeks to come, Alabama and Auburn football with you. Thank you for taking the time, and uh, talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. So thanks again to Sumner. He's got the Tigers 31-17 over the Ducks this Saturday in Dallas. We'll see if that holds true and what type of style the game's going to be, if it's going to be a ground and pound like he's saying in terms of just a hard-headed classic matchup. I'm really excited to see how Bo Nix does through the air. Uh, That game is Saturday in Dallas, just three days away. Something a lot more than three days away is Alabama basketball, but the Tide released its non-conference schedule this week, and so that's exciting if you're an Alabama basketball fan. Don't overlook the football season. Obviously, you don't want to do that, but you might be relieved to know that the Crimson Tide has released its non-conference schedule. It's a month later than they did last year, but the schedule is out nonetheless. Some of the games I will highlight, I'll just go through quickly uh, the games. Obviously, we talked on the a uh, couple podcasts ago about how the Tide will play North Carolina in the Bahamas tournament. That'll be good. Starting the season at home versus Penn, and then uh, on November 11th, the following week, hosting FAU, so not... You won't see Alabama versus Lane Kiffin um, on the turf and on the field, but you will see Alabama take on the Owls on the hardwood. So you've got Penn, you've got Florida Atlantic, both at home, first two games in November. At Rhode Island, swapping from this year's game when Rhode Island came to Tuscaloosa in the battle for Atlantis, as we mentioned, North Carolina. But before then, on November 19th, you've got Furman at home, so the Crimson Tide will take on the Paladins. That's a matchup that will be near and dear to the Galloway homestead. So, uh, and we're coming for you. Crimson Tide taking on Furman November 19th, Tuesday. Be there. Sister and brother-in-law went to Furman, side note. So there we go. Uh, Michigan or Iowa State in that second round of the battle for Atlantis. Crimson Tide also facing Stephen F. Austin at home in non-conference play, traveling to Penn State. And how about this? The Tide taking on the Samford Bulldogs in Birmingham uh, Wednesday, December 18th. That'll be good. I think that'll be played at the BJCC. 
That one uh, against the Bulldogs will be fun to watch if you're just a basketball junkie inside the state of Alabama. Belmont and Huntsville for the Rocket City Classic, the Crimson Tide and Nate Oates, continuing that tradition that started a couple of years ago, playing in the Rocket City Classic. They'll play, play the Belmont Bruins. Uh, also, right before conference play starts to not round out non-conference play, but their second-to-last non-conference game, the Crimson Tide will take on Richmond on Sunday, December 29th in Tuscaloosa. That will be the day after the college football playoff semifinal game pending that the Alabama Crimson Tide get it done in the regular season. So could be big back-to-back days for Alabama football and Alabama basketball. In the SEC Big 12 Challenge, the Crimson Tide are back at home this year hosting the Kansas State Wildcats and Coach Bruce Weber, if you remember Kyra Lewis on the U19 national team, had Bruce Weber as his coach this summer, and many Alabama fans were not happy with the minutes that Kyra got on that team, and so Kyra Lewis will get a chance to prove to Bruce Weber his playing time for Nate Oates and the Crimson Tide in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So that's exciting. The non-conference schedule is out for Alabama basketball and also they went on a, quote, special ops retreat uh, right before school kicked off about a week and a half ago. That was, if you follow Alabama on social media, you saw the videos of all the players and coaches and staff members going through a grueling um, Navy SEAL type operations training, building team chemistry and things like that. That was really cool to see. Alabama hasn't done that in in a time that I can remember um, any time really in years past. And so it's kind of cool to see what Nate Oates is doing to kind of form team chemistry, but also put this team through adversity off the basketball court. So that was cool to see. Check out some of those videos on the social media, the Alabama basketball Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page, among other things. Check out those videos if you have not already. Uh, Moving on. I drafted a fantasy team, but I'm not going to sit here and talk to you about it because you don't care, because I don't care about your fantasy team, and I know you don't care about mine, especially when the team I drafted, you'll probably have something to say about it, and I don't really want to hear what you have to say about it, other than I want you to know that I'm playing fantasy football. If you have any tips for me, or if you want to hear about my team, send me a DM, send me a text, whatever you want to do, but fantasy football is fantasy football, and I say to each his own. And to each his own, to Mr. Andrew Luck, who announced his retirement just a couple of days ago. Hats off to him and and best wishes in his retirement. I have so much respect for the way he did it. Uh, It's so unfortunate that he was booed off the field and fans really didn't know what was coming. But he spoke up for himself and kind of the issues he's been having with his injuries. And that kind of gave other athletes a platform to talk about their retirement and things like that. And so one of the best in the game, Andrew Luck, stepping into retirement and off the field, that was just a really cool moment in sports, uh, something you really don't get to see a whole lot in terms of people opening up, being very emotional, um, and sports kind of bringing that side out uh, in athletes, especially a big-name athlete like Andrew Luck. So hats off to Andrew Luck. Best of luck, ironically, best of luck to him in his retirement. Uh, excited to see what he's going to do. And he might make a comeback in a couple years if he's, he heals up. Uh, only 29 years old, but Andrew Luck will not play for the Colts this season. That shakes up things in their division. We'll see what happens. But the main point is Andrew Luck is retiring 
And he did it in such a respectable way. And it's so cool to see how that can bring out just the human aspect of sports and a side that we really don't get to see that much. So that really does it here for episode 19 of the Galloway podcast. We had Sumner Martin on to talk about Auburn football, preview the game against Oregon, talk about the running back situation and Bo Nix, went through the Alabama basketball non-conference schedule. Uh, I didn't tell you about my fantasy team because you don't care. Uh, Talked a little bit about Andrew Luck. And of course, we kicked off the show talking Alabama football coming up in just three days and kind of the circus that's going on with injuries and suspensions and what is happening there. Thank you for listening to Galloway Podcast. Follow on SoundCloud and Spotify and uh, working on selling some merchandise. So stay tuned in future episodes and follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway for information regarding Galloway podcast merchandise that can be yours in your support of the podcast. I will send you some merchandise. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. Like I said, follow on Twitter, follow on Spotify, follow on SoundCloud, share with your friends. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Galloway podcast where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. That's how long I've been on ya. Working